Hey everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Jen, and welcome to Devilish Bookworms, the podcast. Where we read and review books and release episodes every Tuesday. This week we have How Does It Feel by Janine O'Reilly. Yay! I was gonna say, where the fuck is my yay? I'm sorry, I'm slacking. So listen, I've got a voice this week. I'm gonna use it, okay? Okay. Ooh! <laughs> buckle up (laughs) oh yeah it's gonna be a fucking wild ride this week so this week as i said we have how does it feel by janine o'reilly and um this was different uh this is actually a schmexy book with schmexy yes a slightly smutty sexy book with um fairies so yeah uh, I feel we have like a, there's a punchline in there somewhere <laughs> there there definitely is and you know i'm sad that no one is here to take that <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to be classy wow oh, there's no time for being classy <laughs> all right to get into the book we have callie who is a Twat. scientist oh <laughs> wow <laughs> she said it folks She's a twat. (laughs) So Callie is a biologist and she is tracking a certain butterfly. And she actually moved to this area just to track this butterfly. And she meets this guy, Crazy Earl. And I love every bit of him. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely love him. Uh, So he's like the, the, town psycho (laughs) who's supposedly a drug addict or crazy earl crazy earl like he is everything i aspire to be oh my god (laughs) what even though he is quote-unquote the town crazy he's super smart and more together than people realize and i love that uh but they are on the search for special mushroom and well Callie ends up falling into aren't we all (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I'm in rare form it's okay I'm here for it well Callie finds uh the mushrooms but she also loses her microscope oh no so she falls into the this fairy hole when she goes back she to said. look for it <laughs> yeah. i was gonna go further with is. that but i think i won't <laughs> yeah he wanted in her fairy hole oh sorry <laughs> definitely in rare form this week i'm sorry i'm not sorry i'm not sorry at all i'm not sorry at all either <laughs> So she falls into the fairy world and she is immediately considered an assassin. They think that she's there to kill the prince. So she's thrown in jail for them to deal with. And the one thing that they didn't realize is that Callie is resilient and it is a frustrating kind of resilience. Mm. (laughs) So let's actually dive in from here because there's so much in between that it needs to be addressed before we continue so there there is a lot there's a lot and like I think I think I'll be the first one to say at the beginning I did not like this book 
at all. I ended up liking it. But at first, oof, God, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to keep going. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> there's in the beginning, there was a prologue and it was, it was of Callie in the fairy realm. Okay. So she's in the fairy realm. And then all of a sudden chapter one, you're thrown into her in the real world day to day, like being boring. And then for the first few chapters, I was not on board. I was not on board. First of all, Callie's a twat. Like, she's so she's so rude to her friends. All of her friends. She's just so rude. And she has this one friend, Cliff. It's, it's evident that Cliff wants something more, and she doesn't. And we've all had friendships like that. But it's like, mm. she's an asshole to him. Like, okay, so there's one point in the story where he's asking her to explain to him what it is that she's looking for. And he said something along the lines of like, explain to me, you know, what you're doing, like in terms that a normal human can understand. And she goes off on this long tangent. And, and we all do this, especially me. My brain goes way faster than my mouth. So I mess up constantly. But in particular, if you're really passionate about something that y- you love, you know, you're going to kind of like run out the mouth a bit. And so she's explaining all of these things in scientific terms because she's a scientist. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like the quote is, I said in terms a normal human would understand Callie. Obviously, he had already grown tired of listening to my interests. And I'm like, <sighs> No, he didn't get tired of listening to your interests. He asked you to explain to him. He wanted to enjoy your interests with you. But you were so busy being a stuck-up snob that you couldn't, like, accept that. Like, it was weird because normally if I get really, really passionate and someone's like, hey, whoa, whoa, slow down. I'm like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. You know, my mouth ran away from me. But she just automatically went to like, oh, obviously he was just done listening to me. No, you dumbass. He was asking you to, to, to dumb it down a little bit so that he could understand you're the one that decided that you weren't going to do that. And he's just an ass because he doesn't want to sit there and listen to you talk. Frankly, I didn't even read the words. I'm not going to sit there and read Latin. You know what I mean? Like a butterfly is a butterfly, a moth's a moth. I just, my brain skipped over the mushroom's name because I don't care. You know what I mean? I want to know about the mushroom. I want to know about the butterfly and the moth and whatever. But like, I'm not going to sit there and like ramble over all these freaking scientific names. I want to get to the story, you know? And like, I, I just felt like she was such a douche and she kind of treated him like that the whole time. She was just, and not just him, like, I don't know. She was just stuck up in a snob and then got mad at other people for thinking that she was stuck up in a snob. You're absolutely correct, though, because, I mean, even at one point he was sitting there calling her a Disney princess and saying how much he loved the fact that the animals gathered around her and she was like, whatever. And it was like, I don't need you. Stop trying to help me when he was doing everything he could to kind of help her and in her, especially in her situation where her truck died and she wanted no part of it like I understand keeping a friend in a friend zone but at the same time like you said you don't need to be a douchebag about it 
Well, and how can you call yourself a friend? Like she genuinely called him a friend. And like some of the times in the story, she was like, oh, he was the only one I could, you know, get along with or blah, blah, blah. He was always there. But then she treated him like crap. And I'm like, okay, this is a weird situation going on. Yeah. But on the opposing side, like I have been in situations where someone just doesn't get it. And they make an entirely normal conversation really uncomfortable. So you could be talking to them about something that you really love. And then they make a a lewd comment like, oh, well, you could love this. But at the same time, he wasn't that type of person. Like, at least it didn't, it wasn't portrayed as that. So... I can understand where he did make her feel uncomfortable, but at the same time, it wasn't as bad as she made it seem. And I've been in bad situations like that. And it's just, I have a customer. He literally asked me out like 40 something times. I'm not even kidding you. And one of my coworkers was like, I'm a guy and I feel so uncomfortable anytime I see him around you that's how bad it was so Mm. she's got to understand like there is so much worse (laughs) well and i mean not to trivialize like if she's uncomfortable then she's uncomfortable but if she is uncomfortable then why does she constantly call him a friend and why does she constantly like put herself in put herself in situations where she's alone with him you know what i mean like i'm not victim blaming at all but like we also have to make sure that we're taken care of so like if you are with or around someone who's who actively makes you uncomfortable because there are genuinely times in the book where she calls him a friend and where she you know says like you know that she's thankful he's there and stuff and it's like I don't know to me it was just a funky way of I I mean I've been in, in very awkward and very uncomfortable situations as well and I don't go out of my way to be alone with that person exactly like I mean there are customers that have made comments that made me uncomfortable and I have made sure to make sure all of my coworkers know exactly who the person is and to never let me be alone with them. Mm-hmm. And that when you're that uncomfortable, even if it's something, it wasn't even like a, a sexual comment, but at the same time, when you, you have someone make you uncomfortable like that, you make sure it's known and you make sure that you're never put in a situation to be uncomfortable again or at Mm. least you minimalize it as much as physically possible yeah so i absolutely agree you and i are exactly the same and so what i'm about to say is going to come out really weird okay Mm -hmm. so callie especially with cliff does not allow anyone to do anything for her nothing whatsoever if she's gonna do it she wants to do it on her own she she, you know it's she's very like like toxic over independent you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. we're you and i are the same exact way you know yes um i have a hard time even allowing my family to help me and it's like it's if someone asks me like hey do you want me to do this or do you need help with this or whatever like my brain because I'm trying to I'm trying to change I'm trying to be better my brain has a weird little war with itself and I end up stuttering and being like uh uh, uh no I mean if you want I don't care it doesn't matter to me <laughs> you know because I don't I I'm trying not I'm trying to get out of the habit of being like no I don't need help you know 
so she's so like uber independent and i want us to like as a collective start allowing people to do nice things for us because like i love doing nice things for my friends and family but i won't allow anyone to do nice things for me and it's such a weird hard thing to get out of you know and it was just something that i noticed with her but i know that i'm exactly the same way like it was almost over the top with her but i'm exactly the same way yeah we really are really bad at that uh we don't even want to do nice things for each other we folks at home listen we both every single christmas are like oh my god i'm so excited to get you this christmas gift (laughs) oh my god i'm so excited Whoop whoop, girl power right and then we'll be like what do you want well you don't have to get me anything i really don't want you to get me anything like don't give me anything at all i'm like we're so stupid (laughs) facts <laughs> hard <laughs> facts <laughs> but seriously though when she says that we have a real hard time asking for help last night perfect example i'm trying to put up a curtain to block some <laughs> some air coming in through my door in my bedroom and i'm like no i got it i got it <laughs> I didn't have it. <laughs> I so did. I so didn't have it. The other the other day, I was standing in the kitchen with my dad, and we had both had pie from Thanksgiving, and the pie was sitting on the counter. And he goes, "Do you want me to put this away?" And I was like, "No, it's fine. I'll do it. No, it's fine. Yes, yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> because my initial reaction is always no. I have a question for you. Okay. Because I know that I went off. I went off to the point where I was at my day job and I was frantically writing in my book journal. And my boss was like, Oh, you're going after it. Um, how do you feel about this section of the book where it talks about Callie being so beautiful, but being so um being taken, not taken uh seriously as a scientist so she decided to stop wearing makeup and stop doing her hair okay ew (laughs) ew that that part really pissed me off okay i'm sorry but you don't have to change yourself just to be taken seriously there's absolutely nothing that you need to do about your physical appearance to make someone take you seriously it is what you do and how you do it it is absolutely nothing to do with physical appearance i hate the fact that they brought that up because honestly okay (laughs) let me (laughs) let me take a breath here real quick i work in a male-dominated field i had to fight literally fight to get respect for what i do it is fucking stupid the amount of shit I had to prove to be taken seriously at my job. So stupid. But that has nothing to do with me being a beautiful a woman. snack. <laughs> yeah. Like, bitch, I am pretty. I'm just, you are. Ew. 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 I, I can't even. I can't even. Ugh. Shut up. Ugh. You're so. I can't with you. <sighs> Guys, no. do you want to know why we don't have video? Because. Jen won't allow us to because she still won't accept the fact that she's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Ew. Mm-hmm. I, okay, so I will say that I'm not ugly, but I'm not gorgeous. I, I am, hate you. Continue. I am above average, okay? 
slightly above average. Anyways, um, so I proved myself by my work ethic and my dedication to my job. Not anything to do with my physical appearance. I didn't freaking dull down doing my makeup or stop wearing skimpy clothes because I fucking didn't want I wanted to be taken serious no I'm gonna let my tits hang out I'm going to wear the tight jeans and I'm still gonna wear my makeup and still be taken seriously because why I fucking work hard for it I don't need to look any different to be taken seriously fuck that shit I actually I am very glad that she did include that because the fact that it pisses us off so much is a wonderful thing for the the overall conversation. Like a hundred percent you are you are very accurate. Like I used to work in a rock yard and so it was all men around me and when you're you're working with measurements you're working with you know like people would come in and you would have to tell them how much rock they needed you would have to tell them the ins and outs of how much product a, a truck can hold and how quickly it can get out and dispatching and you're doing all of these things which are you know people think um when it comes to your mind it's more of a male situation um and so i was constantly having you know people go oh you can't ride that forklift oh you'd you don't they would constantly be asking like if there was a driver <laughs> like i was i was working in the in the location right they were dealing with me a driver would come in to clear off the scale and they would ask the driver questions and they're like i don't know ask her like <laughs> and they were always looking for the amount of times that I got, well, that doesn't sound right. I'm like, okay, math is math, guys. But I think that when you come up against adversity because of the fact that you are beautiful in an area where it's normally dominated by, you know, um, people who think that pretty, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, pretty girls can't be smart. Pretty girls can't be efficient. Pretty girls can't do work hard. You know, when you dull yourself down, when you stop doing your hair and you stop doing your makeup, what you are telling little girls is that they cannot be pretty and smart. So if you are naturally pretty, you have no choice. You are not smart. You are not going to succeed. You cannot work hard because you are pretty. So when a woman is beautiful be a badass too. You don't have to choose between the both. Hedy Lamar was arguably one of the most stunning women to ever walk this planet. And she created Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Like movie shows and TV, TV shows like Charmed and Buffy and like all of those shows, they women were hypersexualized, which comes with its own thing. But what those three sisters taught me, what Buffy taught me as a little girl was that it was okay. What Morticia taught me as a little girl was that it was okay to be beautiful and weird and also smart and also work hard and also be, you know, contribute to the, the way society works. You know, like you cannot, I think it's so counterproductive to tell a little girl that if she's beautiful, she cannot be smart. Do not ever dull yourself down because that is what you are doing. Be beautiful and be smart. Be beautiful and work hard. Be beautiful and be an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry. <laughs> I hate the narrative that because you are one thing, you can't be pretty too. Like, be pretty too, guys. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I- I'm sorry, but being pretty doesn't mean you can't get your hands dirty. Fucking do it. Like, exactly. So, Jen, I want to know your thoughts about the world building and the imagery that Janine O'Reilly uses. It wasn't bad. So, I like her fairy world more than I liked her real world. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it like that, but she was so boring in the beginning. I I hate, like I said, I hate to say that, but at the same time, she was boring as shit. Like, (laughs) I I understand that you want to create this this realistic life. I don't want to hear about monotony in someone else's life i live my own fucking monotonous life like i go to work i come home i do dishes i clean i i go to sleep i go back to work and do the same shit all over again like i get that's how life works i don't want to read about it okay i fucking read to get away from it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so but when she brought it into the fairy world, I was like, yes, I love this. And the sick little twists that she does in there, just like, okay. Like, there was a moment, and you even commented about it. Callie is in a prison cell, and she has a brick, and she's cutting up cheese, like a little charcuterie board. <laughs> and I fucking love that. Like, just to think that you're sitting dirty in a jail cell, and she's she's being this fucking, <laughs> like, Betty fucking homemaker over here with a fucking <laughs> charcuterie board made out of Making a fucking girl brick. dinner. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, this is this is hilariously stupid, but I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> so when you made a comment like what is she doing <laughs> i'm like sitting there dying because i'm like i love that are you kidding you know i feel a hundred percent the same way like and i feel like it was supposed to be i feel like it was done intentionally because she wanted to set the premise because callie in the real world is a thousand times different it's night and day between callie in the fairy world yeah and in the real world All of these things that we've been discussing is Kelly in the real world. Kelly in the fairy world allows people to do things for her. She, I mean, reluctantly mostly, but, but it's different. She doesn't have such an attitude, I guess I could say. She has a backbone. She has a backbone. She's more open. And in the fairy world, she very much does prove that you can be beautiful and be a badass. And I wish that that the beginning was shorter. I feel like she could have conveyed the monotony of the everyday. She could have conveyed the Callie in the real world if it was a little bit shorter. Because the story really starts when she falls through the fairy, fairy ring. And in my opinion, and I know that you said the same thing, in the fairy world is stunning it is stunning everything is dark and and you know gothic-y which is totally my vibe and she wears one dress that's like white and silky and then she wears another dress that's like crimson and like floofy and then like once she's in the fairy world I was hooked I was in it to win it because it was gorgeous it was very like vampiric and kind of elegant and and beautiful 
but Callie in the real world, man, that was so boring and awful. It yeah. was so boring. If it kept going like that, I don't even know what I was going to do. I don't think I would have been able to <laughs> accomplish reading it. But I do have a question because you yeah. did mention the prologue. Sure. Now, you hated that, correct? I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Now, did you still hate it once you were in it and realized that it was a chapter? A thousand percent. I hated it. <laughs> because so- it... To me, it messed with the flow. Like when you start reading the book and it's very boring, human, real world, it's very much a tone. That is the tone for that area. And then we get thrown into the magical. Whereas Starling House, it started out and it was very mundane, very day to day, very human. And then it got magical. And it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, snap. Oh, this is the game we're playing. But in this book, to me, the prologue threw us into... Um, the story then completely took us out of the story for 11 or 12 or 45 goddamn chapters and then we got back into the magic of it to me it was almost like why like why bother like it it didn't make me anticipate anything it didn't you know it was just kind of like okay that's a thing that was just thrown at the beginning of the book for no reason well see I I felt like it was to try to suck you in but unfortunately like I had the same kind of feeling you did like it didn't suck me in like it was just like okay interesting and then maybe you if get the into human the boring part, yeah maybe if the human part was was shorter it would have done that mm. but it was just kind of like I don't know I have question um about the wonderful enemies to lovers trope do you have any thoughts of the trope in and of itself the trope as it pertains to this story do you have any thoughts on how this book compares to others in my opinion it's kind of the typical like enemies to lovers i mean it's they hate each other or she hates him and he pursues her and it's the typical you know so I didn't hate it but I didn't love it at the same time like I didn't mind the fact that he hated her so much and then realized oh shit I kind of like her and I don't want anybody else to want her but I don't know it was just it wasn't great in my opinion why i i don't know it just it was it was so typical that it didn't give me anything that i didn't already have from other books okay don't get me wrong the writing was good i didn't mind the storyline but it like it's the same okay she hates me now uh and he hates her and now all of a sudden they love each other Mm -hmm. so I, i don't know I can see that. I actually had a different reaction to this book. I I feel like the enemies to lovers trope is usually used for things like a bounty hunter and their prey or like, you know, people who are vying for the same job at work or who's trying to be valedictorian or whatever. Um, and I saw a similar post on threads that kind of talked to this point. But I never really thought of it in terms of like enemies, enemies, you know, like the things that happen in this book 
if if it was someone who was like a potential you know not love interest because like they hated each other at first i don't know that i could ever get past them though like okay so there are some very 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 popular books that i won't i don't talk about but like the stuff that happens (laughs) in those books which I just found out that she was freaking gorgeous. Like, first of all, I thought it was a dude author. Whatever. I I can't. I can't. But, like, some of the things that happen are in, in like, a lot of the very, really popular books right now are heinous. And I don't know if I could ever get past them to the point of loving someone. You know what I mean? Like, some of the mm-hmm. things that happened, especially at the beginning of this book, I'm like, I don't care how pretty he is you know what I mean like if you lock me in a dungeon with someone else who I don't um mm. no I totally get what you mean but at the same time you gotta understand like there there is an aspect of there is the attraction between them which is fine and they didn't understand it at first even though they might hate each other and want to see each other dead at the same time it's like he sees the courage that's in her and she sees the danger and the the somewhat soft side of him and it's like it's kind of like that bob the builder meme where oh he's damaged i could fix him and then they end up falling yeah until he sets me up to get raped by a monster i'm good in the literary world right now there is a trend where even in dark romances like it bothers me that rape is used in a romantic way it's not romantic there's nothing okay about sexual assault and him throwing her into the dungeon him trying to think of ways to kill her that's one thing but like trying and 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 the main character didn't do it to her like he never he never you know did it it was it was different characters but like not even just in this book but in a lot of dark romances like i don't know I don't know. I guess that's the point of dark romances or whatever. I just, to me, like, sexual assault should never be a trope for romanticism. Like, it should never be used as, it's literally one of the most heinous things. And these days, it's just being used as, oh, look at, look at what they overcame. No, no, I'm all right. Using abuse or abusive situations is not exactly sexy no Um, there's a way to do it like like when the main character you know when they hate each other and like you know there's there's things that happen between the characters and then all of a sudden one night they decide to get a little frisky like and then they're like oh snap i hate your guts but this i'm kind of into this that's one thing but like or or even like I was gonna say even even on our last book like there was a moment where no it wasn't this book it was a book I'm reading independently anyways there in a book that you yeah know, you're reading it, the book no 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 I'm no I'm listening to an audiobook oh 
um and there there's a moment where she's upset with him and he pushes her against the wall and holds her by the throat and then they start making out like sure fine yeah that's nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> fine and dandy We're a great good way to this. end an, end an argument <laughs> exactly <laughs> but mm, purposely yeah. throwing her in a situation where she's going to get raped and die or he's going to rape and then kill her not okay yeah so so anywho's um eddie <laughs> did you have a favorite character besides crazy earl <laughs> <laughs> i know that's right you did say that <laughs> I'm sorry, it was so funny. Like, okay, for um, the for the boring part, he was the best part of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, I really didn't exactly have a favorite character. Mendex is is fine. Like, I don't mind his character, but at the same time, there are aspects of him that bothered me. Mm-hmm. Like the whole he put her in the jail cell with the bog yeah that that mm-mm, that was not sexy but i mean the fact that he was like so irritated by her refusal to die was my mm-hmm. favorite but who was your favorite character mine was lord alistair kane really even though his part was so small not only him, but also the brown rat. Did you have a favorite quote? Um, no. I I had more like what the fuck kind of quotes. Really? Yeah, because like there was a couple, like a couple of disturbing things in the beginning, and mm-hmm. of course, I'm I'm like sitting there like, what the fuck what the fuck what in the book as i'm reading like literally i'm saying this out loud i'm reading this at work and like sometimes i just gotta stop when i like if i start getting into a part where i'm like what the fuck i've gotta literally stop myself and say read this at fucking home (laughs) (laughs) but at one point there's a quote that goes, I'm going to empty that weak human skull of yours and fuck it. And I'll be hearing your delicious screams until it overflows with my seed. And you'll be screaming for a week, begging me to kill you. Yeah, that's during the part that I hate. That was my major, like, what the fuck moment. And I wasn't sure how I was going to proceed with this book. I didn't know if I could proceed with this book because of just that one part. And Mm -hmm. most people would be like, why? That's not so bad. But you don't understand the context unless you're reading it in the book. And it's, it's, mm, no, fucking no. Yeah. I, um, here's the thing is I don't hate that she included things like that because it was hard to read because it's awful. But it was an awful being. And so, like, it's kind of like a weird catch-22 because, like, yeah, I mean, there's humans who have said stuff like that, you know? And so, like, this thing was a 
abominable. Like, yeah, it was horrible. It was a horrible creature. So, like, I don't hate that she included it. It was just really rough to read. Yeah, it really was. The book itself was good. Like, I can't say that I didn't enjoy continuing after that part. Well, after that scene. It was fine. I was very glad when that scene was over. Yes. Like, (laughs) if it wasn't for that, like, I was fine with everything else. So (laughs) I didn't have a favorite quote, but that doesn't mean the book wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a few quotes that I really, really liked. Um, I really like there was one quote said, I just I just wanted to be myself for a while. I had forgotten what that what that felt like. And I have felt like that. I know that you have felt like that. And I feel like everyone gets to a point in their life where it's like, who am I? Like, I don't even recognize me anymore. And so it was like that was it was like a like a very complex feeling that she put very elegantly. And then uh, oh, another part that I really liked was when she first meets the prince and then (laughs) someone else comes upon this scene and is like, hey, is everything okay, boss? And he goes, everything is fine, Derek. And she goes, everything is not fine, Derek. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Another good quote is, there's beauty to be found in the dark just as there is horror within the light. And I couldn't agree more. But my favorite quote of the entire book, and I'm going to be 100% honest, it very well be my favorite quote of the entire year and possibly one of my favorite quotes of any book I've ever read. Ooh. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty deep. Yeah. I love this quote. The quote is, you develop a taste for blood when you're constantly licking your own wounds. And like, okay, it sounds like a really good quote, but it means something so incredibly deep. There are people that I know in my life, there are people that I love very much who have been fighting so hard their entire life, fighting to defend themselves, fighting to protect the ones that they love, fighting for all of these things. And what happens when you fight so hard for so long is at some point, either you feel like everyone's out to get you or you get so used to fighting and so used to that kind of mindset that you become bloodthirsty yourself. You know what I mean? It can Life can take a beautiful child and after beating it and beating it and beating it and beating it, turn it into the most horrific monster. And that line to me is incredible. I, I thought that it was absolute perfection. Here she is getting all deep on us, folks. Dude. <laughs> I'm just like, I didn't have anything. (laughs) (laughs) That quote, when he said that quote, I immediately like, I immediately wrote it down. I was like, oh my God, this is probably the best thing I've ever heard in my life. It was so elegantly put. Oh, I loved it. No, this one, this is probably one, like I said, it's probably one of my favorite quotes of any book I've read. (laughs) That's awesome so jen what are your feelings on this book overall i didn't mind it i i'm not gonna lie i might not read it again but i definitely didn't mind it and Mm -hmm. i kind of want to see what book two is gonna be like so 
I mean, I have mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have mixed feelings too. On the one hand, like there were bits that I definitely did not love, but um, the parts once she gets moved out of the dungeon. I thought the book was perfection. I thought that it was stunning. I thought the enemies to lovers was perfect. In fact, there's a part of me, like, honestly, I mean, my favorite, uh, there was someone posted on threads and was like, um, if enemies to lovers is your favorite trope, then it was basically like, tell me Beauty and the Beast is your favorite Disney, Disney movie without telling me Beauty and the Beast is your favorite Disney movie. At this point in my life, I feel like no man could ever love me correctly if he doesn't hate me first <laughs> wow <laughs> but wow um no i ended up i i began this book hating it i ended up absolutely loving it and i am i'm going to buy the hard copy i'm going to uh buy book 2 and i'm really excited to see what like you said i'm very excited to see what book 2 brings how about listen there is a twist at the end of this book and I'm not going to, obviously spoilers, big spoil, huge spoilers. We're not going to say what they are. We're not going to say what the twist is, but Jen, what did you think about the twist at the end of the book? I do want to talk about it, but it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> um, I, if, if I had, if this was a standalone book, I would hate, I would hate it with all of my heart if it was a standalone and the twist happened the way it happened I would hate it I was so upset and then I went and saw that it, that there was a second book and I was like oh thank god because like I, I've gone off before about how I don't want things handed to me I don't want things spoon-fed to me but I don't think that there was enough foreshadowing for this particular twist um I feel like if there was like one or two things peppered in, you know, then I wouldn't have minded it. But because of the fact that there's a book two, I'm okay with it. I'll let it slide. So this book, How Does It Feel, was written by Janine O'Reilly. She does have her own website, which is JanineOReilly.com. On her website, you can learn a little bit about the author. She currently lives in Ohio with her family. So you can learn that and more. You can also purchase signed copies of her book, How Does It Feel, both paperback and hardcover. There is, I think she is selling out of the hardcover though. So make sure you check that out. She has an Instagram, Janine O'Reilly author. And I have to admit, her Instagram is beautiful. Her posts are gorgeous and she's very active on Instagram. So I would definitely check her out. Um, she also has a Facebook, which of course is Janine O'Reilly. She has written another book. Her first book came out in 2022 and it's called Skullduggery. And it's about a woman. There's way more to it than this, but she falls for a merman, a prince and a Viking and there, like I said, there's way more to it than that. But the cover is stunning. The book looks great. And I cannot find it for purchase anywhere because it's being reworked and is going to be re-released. And so <laughs> I'm in this weird limbo because I genuinely did love How Does It Feel. 
I have mixed emotions about it. I have mixed feelings, but I genuinely did love it. And I want to read Skullduggery because of her, just her world building. And it's just lovely. And I really want to want to read it, but I can't, it's nowhere. (laughs) I can't find it anywhere. But I have a feeling, I don't know that this is the case. And I'd also don't know if this is as sneakerit as I'm kind of making it out to be. But a lot of authors who are self-published will get really big and then have to pull their book because they're getting, they get picked up by a publishing house. And I really hope that that's what's happening for her because that's rad that would be pretty rad (laughs) so the second book in this series which is called infatuated fae um the second book's book is called the smell of smoke and the cover has not been revealed yet but it is getting released on february 2nd i believe um also if you want to meet janine o'reilly she will be at readers take denver in april of 2024 Okay, listen, maybe February we make a book two uh, book. <laughs> I know the only the only person who we've done multiple books for was Jason Clark. I mean, of the same series, same series. Yeah. But I mean, we might have to make another. I was going to say we might have to make another exception. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> Sorry. So. Next week, we kind of have another spicy book coming to you. Um, We're doing Tamed by the Viking by Anna Quinn and Felicity Brandon. So that's going to be an interesting one. It's a novella, but it has uh, two authors. So I, I can't wait to see how this duo does. Yes, I'm excited to read it. Absolutely we're always excited to read anything i know i just you know can't get enough i was gonna say we just love reading (laughs) thank you everybody for listening like follow subscribe and all of the things that you do Mm -hmm. love us love us (laughs) all right well i guess we'll see you next week Bye. bye